who live for peace and not violence, and told us to be the change we wish to see in the world. Freedom's calling, I feel the fire that's deep inside us. Everybody wants change, but tell me who will guide us to the leaders of... Boom shakalaka, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters around the world. You were looking at the lovely Kat, a friend of mine from Germany, and I thought I would have her on the Crucial Journey podcast to talk about what's going on in the world. I think it's always good to get a new perspective, new eyes from a new part of the, from a different part of the world in regards to what is going on in the world. And Kat is someone that has been involved in some really interesting stuff. Uh, she's uh, she's been involved in conservation. She was doing some work earlier in Australia, planting trees, and I'm always I'm always inspired when I see people doing that kind of work because it's the kind of thing that we need to see more of in this world. I look at people doing that kind of work as the white blood cells of the planet in that they're, they're finding ways to, to, to fight off the, the viruses, all the problems that are, are going on in the world. And by obviously planting trees, by thinking about how you can, you can focus on, on healing the world through conservation or whatever else it might be. That's how you, you make a positive change. So, um, yeah. Kat, do you want to tell me, well, if you just want to introduce yourself to begin with, you can tell me about yourself and um, how you got into uh, this work you're doing with the tree planting and what you're doing now. And, yeah, just give us a, a spiel of uh, what you're all about. Okay. Thank you for this lovely introduction. Um, obviously, I'm from Germany, as my accent can tell. Um, yeah, introduction about myself, where can I start? Maybe um, how I met you. <laughs> so, <laughs> Are we going to go there? <laughs> why not? <laughs> yeah. Put it not? out on the why table. Not, you know, put some honesty in the podcast. <laughs> why not? Yeah, why not? Krishal so, and myself, we went on a date. <clears throat> then I actually went to Melbourne for a tree planting mission. Um, and uh, that, yeah, leads back right, um, right away to the mission I, I had in Australia. I went to Australia um when was it 2018 beginning of um, 2018 yeah basically to um, <clears throat> to take a break um and to just focus on making money and uh, doing something good for the planet um but basically yeah first of all um, to make money and then also to do something good was a side effect to be very honest you know it's not like i was uh, so um into yeah uh tree planting that i just did it for a good cause to start with um, over the time, because then I ended up doing it almost two years. Um, then actually, I developed a love, you know, more and more for for our planet and for uh, the plants. Because um, before, I was not in touch with that at all. Sure, and you strike uh, me as the kind of person that would do that kind of work. Because whereas you meet people and you can tell straight away the kind of things that they're not going to do. I mean, just remember meeting you and hearing you talk about the world and you kind of have this hippie vibe, you know, you, you want to put out positive energy. And I, I think that kind of work resonates with the, uh, with the energy that you put out in the world, you know? So um, it didn't strike me as, uh, as, as weird at all that you were doing that kind of work, tree planting, you know? It's a, it's a very, yeah. uh, very appropriate thing for someone like you to do. So I, I feel like it kind of found you in a way, at least for some time, that kind of worked. Do you feel like, like that was the, mm. the case? Or is it something you've yeah, always wanted actually... to do that kind of work or, or something related to that? Or it's just something that you just stumbled into? You know, I see it a little bit as a healing journey. Because um, before I was uh, pretty conditioned to, to do the classic way, you know, to work hard, study hard. Um, do the yeah the normal career thing and uh, actually I never felt I never found um, true happiness in that path so I tried a lot you know like I studied business international management um, then I started working for corporates and um, 
I soon realized that, um, yeah, this path is not really compatible with my values. So I just didn't find my own um, individual satisfaction in that. Um, and that led to me actually to, to taking some time off um, and to go to Costa Rica, you know, and to truly focus on things that inspire me as a person. So, you know, I just learned Spanish and surfing and, and, and told myself, hey, I, I just do that so long until I come up with something else and uh, until my, my cup of energy is full again and uh, I have enough um, motivation, yeah, to, to start all over again. Um, and I think that, yeah, that was the, the key um, part in my life uh, where, where the whole change began. And um, I started actually doing tours then because I always um, had a passion as well for creativity. And I realized also like the people I hang out with um, naturally are all um, creatives. Like they're all interested in, in art stuff, you know, in, in colorful things. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then I came up with doing tours with um, artists in Costa Rica, actually, you know, like with people who represent the culture and subculture of the country. Um, and uh, that's where I find joy from the inside out. Yeah, absolutely. That, that truly, um, yeah. Um, brought me happiness and joy. Sure. Although it, did, it didn't bring money, <laughs> you know, didn't, didn't cover my bills, not all. Um, yeah, so um, uh, that's the reason why I then went to Australia. Yeah, um, I, I hear what you're saying and I, I hear a lot of my own struggles in what you're saying because I think, I think this relates to pretty much all of us. We're all trying to do something that we love doing but also do something that is one, going to serve your happiness, so something you're passionate about, but something that's also lifting the vibration of the planet, something that's having a positive effect, that's in alignment with your values. Like I think of this Japanese word called ikigai, I'm probably butchering the pronunciation, but it's this beautiful word that kind of represents all these different things, like to find something that you're good at, and then something you can be paid for. To find something that the world needs, but it's something that also you need to do for yourself. And it's, it kind of looks at this, uh, this balance between finding something that is both your mission, your passion, your love, and encompasses all of these values, all of these things that you want. And it's tricky finding something that, that fulfills all of that. That's why people are always you know, moving from one job to another. And I guess the trick is to find something that you, I mean, I like the idea of following your bliss, just doing something that you were absolutely passionate about and not and not uh, compromising. Of course, it's kind of easier said than done, right? Because you got to make you got to make it bill. You got to pay your bills, right? But um, I've recently been taking on that attitude. In fact, I I recently left um, my main job, part time job, uh, in the whole corporate thing, and um, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of going all out and kind of just focusing on on my passion. But I feel like awesome. your journey is a journey that we all we all have. Um, whereas I feel like a lot of people compromise along the way, and they they just say, hey, I gotta, I gotta pay my bill, but I think it's, uh, it's always inspiring when you can kind of just stick it out and try to find something that aligns with your values. Obviously, um, the tree planting was something that you loved doing, I will start, something that was obviously lifting the vibration of the world, but perhaps um, that served a purpose at that time and now you're looking for something else. And do you feel like you found, do you know what you want to do as far as uh, how you can be of service to the world in addition to doing something that you love doing or you're still on that search at the moment? Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, good question. Thank you. Um, I think it's, uh, or I feel um, that sometimes, you know, we start with a certain purpose or we, we define, you know, what we stand for. Um, and then 
maybe the mission will change a bit here and there, you know, so I have long-term goals. So I, you know, I asked myself a lot more, many times already, okay, when I look back on my life, you know, when I'm lying in my dead bed and bed, and then, so what do I, you know, uh, what do I look back to? Um, and yeah, it starts with things like always be good and kind to people, help them, you know, being honest to them, because before I was always, ah, yeah, you need to be compassionate with everybody. And then after some time, I realized just being nice to people, being kind to people might not really help them. And, uh, you know, just uh, working on on our courage and, and honesty to tell them what they actually need. Because uh, I think also a lot of us are living in denial. You know, we we talk to us, because, um, we, we lie to us, basically, um, because it's hard to change, right? To make like drastic changes in our lives. And sure. Then we keep and, on and it's hard to find, like, I hear what you're saying in regards to trying to be as honest but also compassionate to people and it's hard trying to find that balance because you move too far into either one camp like you're too too honest and you end up being the kind of person that no one wants to spend time with because you're you're unpleasant you're saying mean things and then you're you're too compassionate all the t you know like there, there's always a there's always a, a negative side to either end of the spectrum and you, you kind of have to find a balance is that something that you found because it's something i found a lot mm -hmm. yeah um very true what you say um you know, I, I realized also that words might not help as much, but actions do, like actions are way better. So when you just do what feels right to you as a person, um, you inspire other people by your actions anyways. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I stopped forcing, you know, like also forcing myself and then like just, and also um, I did in the past, I often uh, had this pattern, you know, to to tell people, oh, you can do this and this, you know, it works for me. So I was um, assuming that what works for me um, automatically works for the other person. And that was also a huge learning curve for me that uh, another person might have completely different needs. Um, and so, yeah, it's I think it's a fine balance um, between just uh, pushing yourself, you know, in the direction where you uh, want to go to, like fulfilling your own expecta expectations in yourself, but then also like not expecting anything from other people, you know, and then you, you have to be so honest and courageous to say like, okay, these are the people I want to, um, uh, you know, let's stay in my life. I want to keep them in my life in my close circle because they have their their values are aligned with mine. You know, they they push me in the direction I want to push myself. So we can help each other, right? Because it's always, I mean, it's the relationships are always like a balance. Um, Absolutely, proximity then, is key. That's a that's a mantra I like to say because so much of how far you go a lot of the times is dependent on who you're surrounded by, whether it's the mm -hmm. entertainment industry, whether it's your your career. It's all about having contacts and aligning yourself with people that have the same mission. Whether I've, I've, I've noticed this happens a lot with, um, with YouTube or other social media where people that collaborate, they often are able to share each other's fan base, therefore they can grow more. But it's really important to have people that you're working with uh, that are part of your tribe. And uh, I mean, there's this African saying that if you, if you wanna go, if you wanna go far, uh, you go you go in a group, you know, if you want to go fast, you go alone. But it, I think it's tricky because there's so many things that one can um, can hold you back sometimes when you're when you're working with a big group, you know, try, trying to compromise, trying to be on the same page. And sometimes you want to get things done right there and there. But I think if you're in something for the long haul, 
and you're really trying to make a, a go of things, like you do need to collaborate, need to find people that are, are, are in the same kind of space as what you're trying to get involved in. So, I mean, it's, it's often that you see, uh, you see what, what do they say? You see, uh, you see wolves or you see lions kind of um, in flocks. You know, they kind of, um, they work together. You know, like you see people that have the same kind of vibe amongst uh, each other. And I think that's, a, that's an important thing to uh, to be weary of that's something I try to do of course uh you know it, it's tricky because there are times when you want to be giving of yourself you want to ex- you want to spend time with people that don't necessarily resonate with you and sometimes you I feel like I'm being selfish be- if I only surround myself with people that I think are beneficial to me it's kind of like you you mm. you come across as um as very self-centered when you're like oh, I, I can't I can't spend time with you because you're not helping me move in the direction that I want but I think it's important to find a balance between Surrounding yourself with people that are obviously elevating you, but also to be of service to other people. You know, surround yourself with people that um, you can help, that you can assist. And uh, it, uh, yeah, it shouldn't necessarily be this. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm I only want to be friends with you because I see you as a as a means to an end kind of thing. And not that it's mm. it's about that, but I guess you have to have two minds about it if you if you know what I mean. What What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on that? Yeah, um, yeah, uh, good point. Um, I feel it happens all naturally, like the, the more, you know, you, you, you open your heart and you always tell yourself, you know, like I, I have to practice every morning after I wake up, I do my meditation 30 minutes and, um, I, I have a little ritual and I always tell myself, okay, today, you know, I love as much as I can. I learn as much as I can and I listen as much as I can. And by telling me that, you know, every day, um, I just keep, keep reminding myself, hey, Kat, always keep your heart open, you know. It might break in between, but um, you always, you know, you, you attract only the right things in your life like that, and um, you're going to stay on your path. Um, That's very beautiful. And, I like that. So what, what was that thing that you say um, to yourself? I really, mm-hmm. really like that. Uh, yeah. What, you, um, I'm, yeah. I'm going to have so to take I, yeah, I do, you know, I, I start with a silent meditation 30 minutes in the morning. Yeah. And then at the end, I do my gratefulness practice. So. And what was the I, phrase I that you mentioned? I, I just, uh, I always yeah. like to take note of the mantras or little sayings that people have and add that to my own kind of like uh, list of things to inspire myself. I remember hearing you say something. What was it? I'm... Sure. Um, I love myself mm-hmm. and I keep my heart as open as I can. I love, sorry, I love as much as I can. I keep my heart as open as I can. That's yeah, beautiful. I, I, I really, I can. yeah, I really love that because to me, it's the essence of um, of courage and bravery. Because I feel like so many of us struggle to keep our hearts open because at some point, you know, we all get hurt and we we kind of want to shield ourselves. But in order to experience life to the fullest and uh, to really to, to take in that that sweet ambrosia of life, you kind of have to open your heart. Otherwise, you can't experience mm-hmm. it. And uh, so many people, I feel as if they, I mean, I go through stages where I'm like, you know, I'm super, super open and, you know, I'll get hurt. Someone will say something mean to me and I'm all closed off again. And I'm like, oh, I'm never going to open up again. So it's, it's constantly this, um, this wavering of trying to open my heart but failing. But I feel like it is a constant struggle and it's something to aspire to, to keep that heart open. Because uh, I feel like that's, that's the most important part of the human condition, to be able to feel, to be able to, I, I, I think there's no greater and more beneficent force in the universe than, than that kind of love, that full-hearted, unselfish love that you can give of yourself. 
and you're only able to do that when your heart is open. But if you're constantly protecting yourself and you you don't want to uh, you don't want to be vulnerable, I love that word, then it becomes harder for people to open up to you. It's like you give permission to people to open up when you open up yourself, and that's a huge part I find of um of just connecting. You know, whether it's even as a musician, like I feel like in order to um to truly um, create great art you have to be vulnerable enough to express yourself to express your insecurities it comes across in your lyrics it comes across in even the way that you act on stage like there was a time when I used to go on stage and I'd be all front like I'd be like yo man what's up yeah yo 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 I try to act like one of these rappers and I'd be doing all these things and I remember one time actually in Berlin I was there for this uh, festival called Popcom with my band and I was speaking to these African American girls and they were saying we actually got to perform on stage and they're like you know man you, sh you shouldn't be like that you know you, you gotta do your own thing you can't be you can't be trying to act like your street because that ain't your thing. I can tell that ain't your thing, you know? And she was saying, you got to be real because people can feel when you're being real on stage and when you're being vulnerable, you're showing who you are, expressing yourself honestly. That's what Bruce Lee used to say. That's how you become an artist. That's how you allow people to resonate with what you're doing. So, um, yeah, I just really like the, the message behind that, opening up your heart. Anyway, I tend to go on these rants, so... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I, I like your, your morning rituals. So what else do you do? You start off your day with a meditation, you chant some mantras. Sounds like, sounds like you, we have a very similar uh, routine, you know? <laughs> do yeah. you do any yoga? Do you, uh, do you, uh, do you exercise? Um, your... Yoga, not too much, to be honest. Okay. Uh, like, I like when friends of mine, you know, they, they teach yoga and then I just, I like, you know, because I like the energy. I, I want to be surrounded by them. I want to support them. So then I do yoga. Yeah. I just like um, to say that I'm a yogi, even though I'm not very good at it. I really do. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm, yeah, the I'm mindset. I've been doing it yeah, for a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I and I'm not really that advanced. Like I, I just do some stretches in the morning, you know, like I work on yeah. my splits and then kind of like I do this kind of cat. I do like maybe four or five asanas, you know? And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, man. <laughs> and then I'm done. I'm like, yeah, man. I'm a yogini or yoga Perfect. yogi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's the challenge. I mean, there are different kind of spiritual practices, and it's just uh, yeah, uh, the question to figure out what works best for you. And I found my um, my satisfaction with meditation. That's definitely something. That's, sure. That well, I mean, yoga. Me. Yoga, as you know, it's an active meditation. I mean, uh, it's it basically means union so it's a union between the mind and the body so the idea of meditation is obviously stilting your mind and uh, the yogi is trying to do that not just through the disciplining of his mind but using his body as well so it's 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 a meditation that's both both has a physical and a mental component so I mean essentially it's just another form of meditation you know mm. yeah so have you have you always been interested in um, what I would call the the hippie hippie ways, like as far as meditation and and tree planting mm. and all this kind of stuff. Like, you, do you come from a from that kind of background mm. or? Not at all. Yeah, you know, and it's funny because I never could identify with the word hippie. Like um, the hippie for me, you know, it's, it has a very negative connotation. Okay. I just do my thing. You know, I'm just I'm I've always just. Uh, focus on the things that make me happy like i have a very strong intuition and i just follow my intuition and i don't identify with certain things sure you know it might it might come across for other people looking from the outside of them on my path you know it might come across as okay she's a bit hippie um yeah it's but, funny that word yeah. the, the meaning it takes for different people you know i mean i sometimes mm. use it in a negative sense i mean people have this idea that you should never lend a hippie money because they'll never pay you back you know they're always like hey man money doesn't mean anything so so it's kind of like it's all good man i'll pay you back 
back in another lifetime or hippies are people that you can't rely on that kind of thing there's that negative connotation but i kind of just look at hippies as people that are uh living in alignment with um their their values their their they don't just see the world as this materialistic world it's all about money 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 you know all about me 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 that kind of stuff which i often tend to do i feel like i'm I'm in between. I'm kind of like uh, trying to be cool and fit into the status quo, but I'm also in the hippie world as well. I'm like like a black hipster, but I feel like a hippie to me is someone of of this um, of this mundane um, existence. You know, just uh, Instagram images and selfies and all that kind of stuff is um, what do they say is um, in the world but not of it. Like it's trying to find harmony, balance. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so have you? Have your parents um, had any influence on your on your upbringing? I guess your your attitude towards the world is that something that you just developed yourself through your journey? How did that come about? Mm-hmm. Um, my parents um, they definitely tried to do their best job possible for me and my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, they're rather conservative, you know. When you want to put labels, okay. <laughs> I, I really try to avoid labeling. Um, um, but yeah, they, they did their best, you know, they, they gave us, um, my father worked really hard, um, engineer background. Um, my mom was a prof. So materialistic wise, we had everything like, yeah, sure. I had a, you know, higher from a higher middle-class background. So they made sure that I'm good at school. Um, you know, they wanted me to study. That was out of the question, basically, you know, sure. and w- were they religious as such, like as far as your typical conservatives? I mean, as far as American conservatism goes, which is what I think of when I say mm-hmm. conservatism, that usually comes with religious values, like believing in Christianity, God, that kind of stuff. Was that your upbringing or did you somehow deviate and find your own path? Mm-hmm. Um, I think my mom, yes. My father, not too much. He's more the, sci- the scientific person. Yeah, I feel like there's usually a balance of one. You know, one family member being more um, the pragmatist and the others being, being all kind of up in the clouds. I mean, my dad was definitely um, someone that I would definitely call a hippie. You know, as, as mm-hmm. my name would show, my name's Krishna. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Krishna was a play in words from that, but uh, spent a lot of time in India, was influenced by the culture, and uh, probably had a huge influence in a lot of my hippie ways. And uh, I feel like, um, regardless, I've always been drawn to the um, to the fringe, to the weird. Um, even in in primary school, I used to be called different because I'd always be doing something um, in a weird way, you know. And I'd always like getting attention for standing out and being the, like, if everyone was doing something, I would try to do the opposite. And the fact that we're in this world where most people tend to listen to the mainstream, um, I'm I have this mindset where I'm like. Well, okay, I'm, I want to be different. I want to stand out, even in my art. I try to stand, do something different, you know, um, uh, but definitely even in my, my views. Like I, I, I think <laughs> I always hesitate to do this because a lot of people look at using star signs and astrology as a horrible way of trying to define your personality, but I feel like I'm a very um, good representation of Aquarians because they're all about being innovative and they tend to be these freaks, these misfits, um, the the rebels the uh, um, the people that are that like to question the the moral certitudes of society the type that try to uh, to shake shake things up a bit and they're all kind of like out there and weird and perverse and that's definitely me I'm very inappropriate and uh, I definitely don't like trying to fit into the status quo and I'm a bit of a chameleon that sometimes I try to present myself as someone that is is basically normal but I think anyone 
like I'm pretty sure you would have gotten gotten uh, the impression after speaking to me, you know, when we when we uh, when we when we first met that I'm definitely not your typical, uh, you know, brother. Like I I don't I don't act like a gangster, and I, I tend to talk about a lot of things outside of of uh, <laughs> you know hip hop culture and all the, the the normal stuff. I guess people that would be expected to talk about within that kind of um, social strata. But yeah. I wanted to I wanted to get into what's going on in Germany right now with you because um, obviously you're in Germany and I know that when the Rona that's what we're calling it here in Australia uh, the uh, COVID nineteen it hit um, Germany I know Germany had a reputation for dealing with it really well like apparently the the mortality rate was extremely low remember this was during the first few weeks I'm not sure what it's like now what's going on but first of all um, how's this whole thing affected you are you worried about this virus, has it affected your, your family, your friends? What's going on with you in regards to the virus? Um, no, it didn't affect um, my close circle. There, no. Um, and to be honest with you, I don't follow the news. Like, um, I only learned about, about like, the COVID virus when I was sitting in the plane back from Bali to Berlin. When was that? Then I moved back from Australia. Uh, it was mid-March. Yeah, okay. just, just yeah, actually sure. when it started, I was lucky. Sure, well, like yeah, most so. of us. But even now, like, yeah. are, you, are you paying attention to what's going on or are you completely oblivious? In the streets, I see it, you know, I just see. And also, like, my, my father follows the news whenever he calls me or I call him, you know, he gives me a little bit of an update. Um, <laughs> not that I ask for it, but I mean, it's because I feel with this thing, of course, it's um, it's good to be aware and to follow the you know, the, the, the guidelines, you know, not like avoid big crowds and stuff. But um, I think like when you constantly watch the news and they bring obviously very exaggerated and negative um, things with it, you know, like, I mean, that's what, what uh, gets the attention, right? How they how they get there. Absolutely. That's what sells yeah, headlines. I mean, it's head yeah. That yeah. crazy headline sells um, news, you know? Yeah. And like a couple of years ago, I already realized that the media doesn't bring me anything of positive value doesn't add anything positive to my life so exactly. I just completely stopped it I mean it's not that you know like I read a lot of books I, I choose consciously my sources you know like where I get my news from um so yeah uh, I just feel like you know I learned about the COVID virus when I was sitting to two German girls next to me in the plane from Bali to to Berlin and they told me oh you better make sure you get some toilet paper yeah. <laughs> they, they told me that the supermarkets are already all sold out and I was really like surprised I had yeah I couldn't I couldn't believe it to be honest it's so refreshing to hear you talk about this and not having watched the news because one of the things my friends and I joke about we tend to be on the fringe and questioning everything that's going on in the mainstream is there's this idea mm -hmm. that if people didn't watch the news and uh, didn't didn't switch on to any of the uh, the mainstream information. They'd have no idea that there was any kind of virus going on because the the idea is that the reason that this thing sounds so crazy is because the media is telling you that it's dangerous. You know, and I was just talking to my friend today. If it was an actual pandemic, like a real black plague pan pandemic, mm. you wouldn't need to be uh, you you wouldn't be telling need you wouldn't need to be telling people to stay at home. You wouldn't need to be um, the police officers would be wanting to stay at home. You know, they wouldn't be uh, trying to keep people locked down yeah. because they wouldn't want to catch the virus. Um, you know, the hospitals would be overrun. You'd be able to see people dropping down. Yeah. But realistically, yeah. and I know people are going to get angry at me saying this kind of stuff. It's like, how dare you suggest that, you know, this thing isn't a serious threat? Because they're, they're kind of like two minds, whereas I feel like most people in the mainstream, the watch mainstream there, 
they're under this idea that it's a real serious threat. It's the worst thing ever, and we got to really take care of ourselves. I mean, we're in a lockdown again, on the second lockdown here in Australia. And they're talking about going to have four stages or maybe more, going to stage four now. They've started um, not just locking down, telling people to stay at home and only come out for essential things, but now they're, they've started, at least in certain incidences with um, apartment blocks, they've completely shut that off for certain days. They've done this um, at least once or twice. Uh, to an apartment block in the city where people weren't allowed out at all, period. You know, it's completely locked locked in, and they all got tested. And I hate to think what happens if someone doesn't want to get tested. You know, I hate to think what happens when people are refusing to, to get vaccinated, but that's another whole ballpark. But, mm, yeah. yeah, we're in this world at the moment where a lot of people are questioning the main, well, are questioning the mainstream, my friends, and they have this idea that if they weren't watching the mainstream news, that you wouldn't know what's going on. And you're living testament to that in the fact that you really haven't noticed anything going on right now in Germany. It's just the people that have been watching the news and saying that this virus is incredibly dangerous tend to have that attitude that as far as you're concerned, you're just going about your day-to-day -day activities. And it's so fascinating and kind of refreshing to hear that because I, I am under the mindset, to be quite frank, that a lot of what is going on in, in regards to the fear monitoring is created by the media. Like, I definitely believe there is some kind of virus. There's definitely something going on. But I think the mortality rate, even from the most um, conservative estimates, it's considered to be very, very low. We, a lot of people thought it was like, including myself, and you know, it was like 2%, maybe 3% the mortality rate when we were hearing what ha was happening in China. But then we found out it was a lot lower, you know, tended to be less than 1%. We're hearing figures now that it's like in the 0.001% range. Like the amount of people that are actually dying from this, if you look at this, you know, even with conservative statistics, it's very, very low. We've had only just about 100 or so deaths here in Australia. And you have a look at a normal influenza, influenza season and you have hundreds more deaths. And granted, mm. the fact that we don't know a lot about this virus is creating the fear, the uncertainty. But my attitude is I don't think it requires us to have these harsh measures, these lockdowns where people's freedoms are being completely suspended. And uh, I mean... It's kind of crazy what's going on. It sounds like uh, we're in some kind of Shakespearean tragedy bordering, bordering on an Orwellian nightmare. And the fact that they're talking about releasing vaccines now. And I'm not sure if that's something that you're, you're familiar with. And look, I'm, I'm neither here or there. I mean, I think there are benefits to certain vaccines. But they're saying that they're going to force people now. This is the idea. This is what I've been hearing a lot of the, the, prime minister, a lot of the leaders mm -hmm. talk about. How it's absolutely essential for people to get vaccinated. For everything to go back to normal. And I'm guessing you probably haven't, haven't seen too much of this stuff because you're not watching the TV. <laughs> but I was wondering... Yeah. No, I mean, I heard... Yeah, okay, I what, what, I what's the government saying in Germany in regards to how to deal with this thing? Is it a big deal? Or is it something that kind of like... That take on Sweden's attitude where it's like, ah, just let everyone do their thing. Um, I don't know exactly like with the vaccination thing. And I think that's a critical point because, um, you know, it's, it's just like the... Yeah, it's uh, you can't impose people to get vaccinated. Like, I mean, that's that's just not possible. I mean, <laughs> it's the human dignity, and you still have the free will um, to decide what's good for you or not. Exactly, so that's I think how that I feel. There, that's the only point. That's the only point where it goes too far. I don't mind to wear a mask when I go to supermarkets, you mm. know, to public spaces, because I don't want to threaten fragile old people. Mm -hmm. you know because they are already so worried like they're focused they're already you know like more concerned i mean in their in their thoughts the word death or like you know they're just yeah um more vulnerable to death um, sure. 
Um, but even here, you know, like I, I always uh, see the positive side and, and focus on what's actually uh, bringing us together. You know, um, with the virus, I think it brings the world together. So for the first time, I don't know since when the whole world like works together on something, you know, because they they say, okay, the, the, the virus is something that concerns us as a species, mm -hmm. you know, the human species. So there is a kind of common sense, something like, oh, okay, actually, we're not that almighty. We're not that powerful in this world. You know, sure. we're, we're still kind of humans. Yeah, we're um, subject to these viruses that can wipe out an entire uh, speed. I mean, granted, um, this virus hasn't, I think, realistically, we can say it hasn't done that much harm you know if you have a look at other viruses in history like i actually thought initially that this was kind of like a big deal and i started having a look at the history of viruses and learning about things such as um the the black death and realizing that oh this is a virus like you see this um represented in, in a graph like there's this beautiful graph um, that i saw that kind of shows um what it's like like the amount of people that have died from let's say the black death versus COVID, and it's it's like comparing you know uh, our moon to uh the sun you know it's like they're just this one's completely on a completely different scale but yeah it, it definitely has made me realize what can happen in terms of um a massive virus like if we did have so, and it's possible that in our lifetime we could see something that is actually like a real threat not this oh um you know, 0.0001% of people are, are dying from this, but like a threat, something that has like a, you know, imagine like a 5% mortality rate and you're seeing people drop down and you're seeing your entire life change. And I think I've, you've actually brought on a good point in regards to how people can work together and try to overcome something. I find that really inspiring. I mean, uh, that at heart, I tend to be a bit of a lefty in the sense that I, I, I do want the society to want the world to be working towards this common good, like in Star Trek. I was brought up watching Star Trek episodes, but having said that, I think it's important for people to still have their own autonomy. And I think when people start saying things like "we're all in this together," but you have to uh, you have to surrender your your dignity, your freedom, in order to uh, to to serve the greater good, things get very scary there because this is, I mean, you have a look at history and it's always been this idea of, well, you know, compromise yourself, um, sacrifice your freedoms. Um, I mean, you have a look at situations like with Pol Pot, um, the, uh, there have been many regimes, um, Stalin, where the people in power have decided to take things away from those that have, that had too much money or were in any position of power, were considered too educated and they would be stripped of their wealth, stripped of their status because you were trying to have this fair system or you were trying to achieve something. And I just think it becomes dangerous when the government starts requiring people to sacrifice themselves. I think if we could do it voluntarily, I'm all for trying to convince people um, to, to make changes for the greater good. But as soon as it becomes a situation where the government's saying, you must do this, otherwise you're going to be locked up in jail. You must get vaccinated, even though we know that there are some risks. I mean, the fact that there are billions of dollars in the United States that have been awarded to uh, uh, plaintiffs for for um, da damages from being maimed from these vaccines. There are there's so many reports of this. It's ridiculous. Of course, both sides tend to either overplay or underplay the risk, but there's definitely a risk in everything you take. So the idea of someone telling you that you must get vaccinated, the idea of someone telling you you must stay at home, I mean, people are having their lives ruined at the moment. Australia is falling into, um, like, I think for the first time in how many, I don't, don't want to um, overspeak, but 
But essentially, we're seeing uh, the lowest employment rates that we've seen in a very long time. Obviously, this is um, mm. seriously affecting the, the economy because essentially the government's just printing, printing lots of money in order to, uh, to allow people to, to survive. And this is having an effect on people, the economy. And uh, the, yeah. the, the worst thing is, I mean, there are a lot of people that aren't able to communicate with. I mean, for instance, they've, uh, they've done this thing at the moment, which is understandable, where in aged care facilities, you're not allowed in unless, of course, you've, been, you've gotten the flu vaccine. vaccine. And uh, whereas I understand that, it seems reasonable in the sense that they want to protect the most vulnerable. They're uh, the elderly. I mean, my, my dad's in a, in, a, in, a, in a care facility. So the fact that I'm very weary of these vaccines means, technically speaking, I can't go there now unless, of course, I, I get some kind of medical waiver. So th we're starting to see a lot of restrictions being put in place. And some of them, I think, are reasonable. Like, I don't have a problem with a private organization making a, a decision to, uh, to choose how it it runs its business but when the government starts saying you must stay at home and there are people that there the suicide rate in california has gone up by hundreds of percent because people can't deal with not being able to be connected with their friends and family so there's a it's not like it's a one-sided thing by telling people to stay locked at homes that we're going to save lives i mean there are unexpected consequences to every action and this idea that you know one size fits all we're going to tell you all to stay at home and if you don't we're going to put you in jail. We're going to fine you for thousands of dollars. It's a very scary thing. Anyway, I, I know I'm going on a rant right now. But, yeah, how do you feel in regards to, um, um, I, I mean, I'm not sure if you're aware of the kind of measures that the, the German um, government has put in place, but have, have you been following any of the restrictions? Are you guys in lockdown? Do you, do you even know if you're in lockdown or if there's any kind of restrictions mm -hmm. that are in place in Germany right now? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, we're not in lockdown. Never been. Okay. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, for sure, Germany is doing a good job. Um, I mean, safety restrictions, of course, with the mask. So you have to wear masks. Now, mm. small businesses open up again, you know, like coffee shops are open again. I can go to my gym again every morning. Um, okay, yeah, so you were, back to normal. you were experiencing some kind of restrictions, like you weren't able to yeah. go to your gym. So you would have noticed that, obviously, that's something that affected you and uh, <laughs> yeah yeah it yeah. also affected my personal life i mean i had a good time you know with my flatmate here i mean we were super creative like doing music art painting a lot you know like our whole living room is full of artsy stuff and yeah that's I one of the benefits so of this time yeah it's one of the benefits of this lockdown people are having are being able to learn new skills like pick up a guitar or do some artwork or work in that unfinished novel Did, have you found that you've been able to uh, to get a lot more of your creative work done ever since the the lockdowns have been placed you were uh yeah i mean you know the first time i felt like not guilty um to do only things i actually enjoy because mm. there was no alternative right so um yeah I, I i felt super balanced and actually flowing you know like i didn't wake up at a certain time i was just sleeping in and <laughs> um and then decided with my friend hey let's do a, you know some ceramic work okay let's listen to a new audiobook <laughs> but yeah 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 i like your That's attitude nice. towards this you're seeing all the positive sides to it and look, that is actually something I, I i feel like maybe it's just my circle of friends because we've just been focusing on the negative like ah oh, the government's taking away our freedoms but there's so many beautiful things that have come about from this i mean the fact that people are obviously able to invest their time in the creative pursuits and uh and focus on things they really want to do for some time but then you also have a look at the the effects that, um the lockdowns have had on the environment which i know is a big part big important thing to you right and i know there are places in you know in china where um, if you have a look 
um, through a satellite, you can see that all the smoke is essentially just left, and um, there are areas now that are are now where crops are growing, you know, that haven't grown for a long time because mm -hmm. humans have are not able to obviously have not been able to uh, to enter these spaces, and we're seeing the planet rehabilitate itself because humans aren't here to uh, to fuck everything up, so to speak, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, I, I think that's a beautiful thing. I think you, it's funny when you think about it how much of a, a negative effect human beings, you know, when they're operating in this um, this cons this consumer, uh, just take 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 kind of like just day to day activity, like what the what we're doing to the planet. In fact, I remember once seeing this um, this satellite image of planet Earth, and you see this beautiful planet Earth, but then you see all this these these black spots. It's almost as like it's almost like a cancer that is forming on the planet, and that cancer is like humans and the fact that we're, they're claim at night when you have a look at this satellite image of planet Earth, it seems as if there are these growths and you have a look at the, way, the things that we're doing in the planet. And maybe this is just a little extreme here, but you kind of have a look at um, fracking, you have a look at uh, you know, the way in which we're, um, we're kind of using up our resources, not much consideration for renewable sources of energy. I know Germany's really big with that kind of stuff. Like you guys have got a whole bunch of solar power and renewable energies and stuff. But you kind of have a look just in general um, how humans are so um, so inclined to pollute the planet with the normal day-to-day -day activity. And it's it's kind of cool to see the planet kind of taking getting a break from all of that stuff with this virus because obviously we're, we're not at full capacity anymore. Yeah, what, what do you think about that? I mean, I'm sure you have some strong views in regards to um, uh, some of the things that we're doing to this planet, you know? <laughs> yeah, I see it, to be honest, Kishore, I see it as a race, um, as a rise of consciousness, what's going on. Because for the first time, like almost all human beings are forced to have, you know, to, to have more time and room you know, to to think about other questions than their day-to-day -day tasks, like their daily routine, pursuing, you know, their daily duties. Um, because, you know, to, to be able to become more consciousness, it requires a lot of uh, time and, and, yeah, room, you know. I mean, just to elevate more questions and, like, pursuing more, more thoughts. Absolutely. Um, so I think it's a beautiful, what's a beautiful thing what ha what's happening, what's going on out there right now. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking about that, how um, it requires you to, uh, to self-actualize, to take a moment to try to figure out what your goals are, what you're all about, uh, you know, and you, well, you, need, you need space, you need time, you need away from this rat race in order to do that. And I think some people have been given the opportunity. I think when you're in this situation, you start thinking about what you actually want to do. And I think a lot of people have either, through through just the circumstances of, of changed their career path, they've either lost their jobs, mm. or they've started thinking, look, do I wanna do I wanna live my life like this? I mean you you, you harp back to this a while ago, like thinking about being on your deathbed and thinking about um the kind of life you've lived. And this is something that I go through a lot as well. In fact I, I find that um in order to to be fully alive, you really have to realize that this is not forever that our existence is finite and when you start thinking about this more and more every day about the finality of things that you will be in your deathbed you start being more inclined to make changes start self-actualizing and trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life and where is i feel some people have been doing that i'm taking this opportunity to do that others i feel like because they're so inundated with fear um, through the media 
it's been difficult to do that. But I think, I, I guess if there's anything um, we can really benefit from with this whole environment is to take a step back and try to figure out what we want. Use this as an opportunity to reassess ourselves and try to figure out if you really want to spend your life like this. Because where is, um, it's, it's important to kind of have the perspective um, of whether or not you're, you're going to be happy, you know, on your, on your deathbed. Yeah, I feel like, um, yeah, it's something that we, we often take for granted, the fact that life can also just go just like that, you know? I mean, granted, I haven't seen it here. Um, I, I've definitely seen, I, I've watched a lot of images in, in other countries, like in Italy, where so many people were, seem to be dying. And whenever you see death and you start realizing that, um, yeah, that this thing is, I, I keep hopping to this. Like, I think of the term, there's this beautiful um, Greek phrase that I often love to use. It's called eidos and thanatos. Like it's this, it's basically the love-death relationship. And the idea is that when you are on the verge of death and you start seeing death around you, you start realizing that your life is finite. That's usually when you want to experience the, the, the life principle. Like eros is supposed to be like sex or like lust, but it actually represents life. And then Thanatos mm -hmm. is the death principle. And the idea is that most, I mean, there's one interpretation where on the close, on the edge of death, you, you feel this, this, this sexual desire to actually want to procreate, that kind of thing. But it's supposed to represent life, like creativity, like that energy of like of, of the Eros is actually the life principle of wanting to live. So when you see yourself in the midst of death and you start realizing, oh shit, I'm not going to be here forever. I'm getting older. This, this beautiful black melon skin of mine isn't going to uh, make me look young forever, you know? Like, eventually, I'm going to start looking like I'm a 70-year-old, 80-year-old, and then I'm going to be like, oh, shit, I have to start doing stuff with my life. And once you realize this, it gives you that, um, that incentive, that kick in the, in the ass to, like, get your acting gear and expressing life, trying to create your art. And, uh, I mean, that's definitely something that I've been, I've been trying to do more so lately. But, um, but yeah... Have you, have you, do you, do you often find that? Like, I, I guess you haven't really seen much, you haven't seen any death because you kind of avoided, you've sheltered yourself in the media. But, um, have you, have you had any experiences in your life where you've kind of come close to death or you've, you've started realizing that, oh, oh, this thing is not permanent? Any kind of, uh, near death experiences, so to speak, or realizations through death around your family and that kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. um, I was confronted with this question from pretty early on. Um, yeah, because I lost uh, like two grandmas, you know, my, both of my grandmas in my, when, I, in my, when I was in my teens. Um, I lost a friend when I was in kindergarten. I lost one of my best friends. Um, you know, he just died of, of cancer, like five years old. Um, so I, I early learned that, yeah, life is not not forever and um and then i have a brother who who was suicidal um a couple of times so that was the toughest um way like to to learn to deal with that you know on a constant like this constant uncertainty like is my brother fine you know and then also because i tried to help him like for years i forced you know, I forced myself and him actually to open up to see like, hey, how can I help you, please? Because like he would continue harming himself, you know, and not giving any explanation or whatsoever to, yeah. To, so we really know what's going on, you know, because we, we and we felt so powerless and so helpless. 
And at the time, I was not familiar with things like professional help, you know, with psychotherapy. That's what I'm doing now. Actually. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah. is that something you're studying or is that something that you're doing professionally? The, oh, the psychotherapy. Actually, yeah, I study, yeah, I, like I, um, I studied psychology now I'm second semester, just part-time, you know, um, but I also take actively, I do act, um, psychotherapy. Like I have, um, I go to uh, ambulant psychotherapy, like once mm -hmm. per week, I do two, um, uh, um, uh, two hours of psychotherapy with a So what do you mean, do you have this actually? thing performed on you? So you get psychotherapy or you're actually a practitioner yeah. and you help people? No, no, no. I study it as well at a university, like remotely, yeah. but actually I, I do it as a patient. I'm the patient. Oh, and I, I see. Go, well, it helps because yeah. so, sometimes you learn a lot more by, by receiving some, something, you know, by actually, like I, I often, yeah. um, yeah, anytime a practitioner is, is working on me, like sometimes, for instance, I, I go get my massage, you know, and I'm like, oh, this is how it's done, you know, so I'm, I don't, I'm not, I don't know if it's anything like that with psychotherapy. I'm sure it's a lot more advanced, but I feel like by being a patient, you're obviously learning a lot about the process. And that can serve your uh, your your goals, your yeah, your dreams in the future. Yeah. So, is that something you, yeah. you feel like you could do? That would that be your ikigai, so to speak? Um, you know how I was talking about finding something that's in alignment with your values. I mean, it's something that's obviously had a huge part in your life, and I can see you doing that. Um, I guess in a more permanent basis in the moment. Is that something that you want to pursue um, with mm -hmm. passionately? The moment psychotherapy, or what's the what's the game plan there? Yes, it's definitely something I'm I'm interested in long term. Like I, I've always been reading also um, books about it, like self help books first, coaching books, and yeah, um, yeah I feel there's a, a there's a lot of uh, stuff still to explore and to research. You know, um, yeah, I definitely. I mean, it's a long way. You know, like studying it is taking years. Sure, um, it's such uh, it's such a broad it. it's such a broad topic though, isn't it? Because Whenever I think of psychotherapy, I think of, I'm not just the clinical stuff, but we're talking about the human condition, like the psyche. Uh, we're talking about everything that makes you, th you tick, function, like personal development, how to actually function in this, in this meat bag that we're, uh, we're in, in, embodied in, you know? So it's such a, a vast topic. And it's interesting, like, I, I've always been a, a big fan of of spirituality. I mean, I, I spent a lot of my time learning about, you know, metaphysical traditions, like ancient wisdom traditions, that kind of stuff. And that entire area, I feel like it relates to psychology. In fact, the word psychology in Greek, it's derived from the word suke, which is basically spirit. So it's the ancient Greeks would look at the study of psychology as the study of your soul. In the same in the way that we look at it now as the study of the mind, essentially the Greeks would refer to that as trying to understand the, the heart of who you are, which is your soul, your consciousness. So it's not just a physical component. So when you're mm -hmm. studying psychology, and I, I presume psychotherapy somehow relates to that, like it's the therapy of the mind, you're trying to understand how to heal yourself. And it's something that is mm -hmm. encompasses not just the physical body, the mental body, but so much information. And uh, yeah, I think I feel like it's it really is this never-ending journey. There's so many things that you can you can uncover that can facilitate you in this healing process, you know? And I feel like part of life is trying to um, s medicate your, well, yourself through psychotherapy, you know, by, I, essentially, I look at life as this, um, this uh, efflorescence in consciousness where you're, you're constantly trying to grow, you're going through adversity, you're learning how to control your mind, how to not react. Like, as a child, you find that, I, I, I remember watching this video a while, that you can, these are certain traits that children have where, 
um, they, if they can't have something right there and then, they get angry. So this reaction where it's like, I want this, why can't it happen? Mommy, I want my, I want my teddy, that kind of thing, you know? And as you get older, you learn how to control your mind. You start being able to delay self-gratification. Um, you start realizing you need to have discipline. You start realizing certain qualities that you need to apply in order to, to psychotherapize yourself, you know? And so it, it's like this process where you're constantly developing tools in order to to be the, a better version of yourself. So there's a matriculation, there's this uh, constant graduation into new levels of awareness. And uh, that to me is in a sense psychotherapy because you're tr trying to figure out what can heal you. And it's, it's a never ending thing, you know. I, a lot of people talk about how they have this problem here, but I think we all have problems. And uh, it's just about trying to um, constantly work on yourself. I don't think there's anything such as, oh, I'm there. Like the, I call my podcast The Crucial Journey, and it's all about this journey. And the, uh, the, the great, like there's this idea that um, the journey, the, uh, the dest there's, okay, so everyone thinks of a journey having an end, but it's really about the journey because you're constantly setting new goals. You're constantly moving. And uh, yeah, it's realizing that as long as you're continually growing and you're constantly in search for, for truth, improving yourself, um, yeah, that's, that's the, uh, the, the path to uh, psychotherapy, if that makes sense. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, but maybe I kind of just going on a yeah. bit, a long kind of like a rant, trying to uh, justify psychotherapy. But is, is that what psychotherapy relates to? Uh, to you? I mean, what does it encompass? Is it, more, is it specifically related to psychology or is it more... Is it more um, um, specific. Mm -hmm. Well, um, psychotherapy is just a practice. So basically, you go to a psychotherapist, you know, and there are different kind of um, psychotherapies. So there's, for instance, the humanistic one, which is the holistic one, focusing, you know, on on you as a whole person and um, on sure. positive things, actually, on your outlook, on your life purpose. Then there's something called psychoanalysis. You know, like mm -hmm. and we go back to Freud and. Um, um, so it's a lot more about childhood, what your inner child, the eye, absolutely, you know, what's going on in the your head, subconsciousness. Yeah. That's yeah, the stuff so I'm aware of. Yeah, yeah. Like which it's, kind of psychotherapy? You might I think I think there's so many, so many. Uh, I know there's some really big names that have come out of Germany, right? Um, through this whole realm of psychotherapy. Like was Freud? Was Freud German? Or uh, Austrian. Austrian. Okay, close, mm. close. So uh, yeah. I know, but I I know some. I find Germany interesting as far as the history. I mean, um, mm. I mean, besides all the stuff everyone's aware of, I mean, a lot of people. I'm very much into um, ancient history and orders and things that are kind of like called what I would call hippie hippie knowledge and like esoteric information. So things that most people aren't aware of. And I know it was um, Germany that the uh, Illuminati, the Bavarian, uh, the Bavarian Illuminati. Like this is something that was this, and this isn't like conspiracy theory. It was formed by mm. Adam Weishaupt, who is the, was a German. Mm -hmm. And it was performed. It was formed in Bavaria, and basically, this guy laid out um, a, a system of um, well, I mean, in a sense, it's, it's kind of like psychotherapy because essentially, the Illuminati were all about enlightenment, trying to uh, illuminate themselves, like trying to um, redempt mm -hmm. their like it's this it's this ancient idea of trying to uh, bring about enlightenment, you know, redempt your spirit from matter through. Uh, uh, an elevation of your your mind, your understanding. So understanding knowledge, understanding all these different traditions, and you find the founding fathers were actually big students of of these schools. Like so many of the people that formed the United States of America were hugely influenced by uh, 
by this society. Uh, I mean, everyone speaks about the Illuminati, but not realizing that it actually started, uh, well, at least, you can trace it back much, much further than this, but the, uh, at least the, the original, the, uh, the establishment, like the, the most um, legit establishment was um, Adam Weishaupt. You know, I think it was in, I want to say 1776 or something around that time, but yeah, this is, uh, this is Germany. I feel like Germany is the homeland of so much interesting esoteric information. Like, I also know um, I'm not sure if this is something that you're 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 into. Like I know it's funny. Like we haven't we've touched on so a lot of um, a lot of stuff, but uh, I don't think a lot of the stuff that I really love to get into is like the, the history of the occult, which deals with um, mm -hmm. hidden sciences and all that kind of stuff. And Germany um, is the home of a lot of really interesting stuff, like the Vril Society. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but uh, it's this society that was. Um, trying to learn about technology and hidden sciences. Uh, I know um, there are some big names that used to be uh, students of this. Like people have said that, you know, Hitler was apparently um, a member or was familiar with this kind of this stuff. But essentially it was just an order in regards to um, enlightenment, once again, understanding technology. And I know that historically we've always seen Germany as being this place for, uh, for a long time, and e even to this day, like a lot of t advancement in technology. Uh, but it's also been the case for so many things outside of the realm of technology, like psychology and um, you know enlightenment, spirituality as well. So mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'm not sure how, how familiar you are with. Um, are, are you? You're obviously German. Like where are your parents from? Whenever I think of Europeans, they're they people that come from all of these different parts of the world. So do you, can you do, can you trace your origins uh, as far as your family? Are, are they like first, second generation Germans, or what's mm -hmm. the what's the history behind that? To be honest, I never did any research. I know my mom mentioned something that um, uh, I think the part for my for my father, they are from mm -hmm. Eastern Europe, from okay. this part more, you know. Um, but yeah, I think the like back to my grand grandmother and father, we are German, 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 German. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. You, you can tell that's probably why I don't get rid of my accent. <laughs> oh, I. <laughs> it's it's funny. Like I can't. Um, yeah, like, I know, do, do, do accents change a little from, like, different parts of Germany? Like, I just hear German, I'm like, yeah. They do. The German accent. Yeah, yeah, I haven't been able yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, there's so many, yeah, yeah so where many is different I can, dialects. I can pick up certain accents from, I come from Ghana, West Africa, and I, I'm pretty good at, like, mm -hmm. determining the different parts of Africa, but when I think of, um, yeah, German, like, when I think of Germany, it's just this country where everyone sounds German, you know, but you, the more, more time you spend there, and when you're brought up there, you can obviously pick up the subtle nuances between the different parts and uh, uh, yeah it's just fascinating I, I love Europe in the sense that it's it's this place where even though it's a small space there's so much different culture within not just the uh, the different countries but even different provinces and stuff like I've only been to Berlin but when I was lost there my friend was saying oh you got to go to Bavaria because it's a com you know completely different com different vibe and if it's anything like the United States where the you know, the East Coast is very different from the, the West Coast, and, like, New Yorkers are very different from, from um, L.A. people. Every state, I'm sure, has its own personality. Is that something that you found kind in Germany? Of, yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm originally from South Germany, you know, close to Stuttgart, so it's uh, okay. seen as the more conservative, rich area. Like, uh, you know, the people are very kind, polite. So the focus is more on getting a serious job, focusing on your career and then build a house, you know, and um, yeah. So like, what, what would be uh, the hippie? Duty to your family. What would be the hippie hmm? capital of, uh, of Germany? The hippie, 
usually leaves then, you know, and moves to Berlin. Berlin, yeah, that's where. <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah, the Berlin is that's where I'm. That's where it's at for me. I um, I love Berlin. I've been there a few times now, you know. Same. So um, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely. Once these lockdowns are uh, are obviously sorted out, um, hopefully I can I come can on. get down. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> come down you know i'm hoping there won't be these crazy restrictions now where you have to get vaccinated i'm gonna be like ah no but I'll, I'll find a way to get down again i was actually planning to um to do some gigs um i've been working on my guitar skills lately and trying to uh um i think i just started playing the guitar when i met you and it's been uh it's going on 10 months now so i've ma made some nice. progress and hopefully i know a lot of people have had to cancel their plans to go overseas uh this year but if all goes well um, yeah, hopefully uh, things will reopen um, towards the end of the year, or hopefully we can all pray. Cool, so we can do the second podcast in person. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. But Kat, thanks so much for coming on this podcast. It's really, it's been a lot of fun Thank to you. talk to you about all the things that you've been up to and kind of get an insight into what's going on in Germany. Um, from someone that hasn't really been like too uh, too affected by all the mainstream news to kind of uh, to see uh, if this thing is. Uh, <laughs> is panning out to be as serious, you know, <laughs> from someone that hasn't mm -hmm. been affected by the media. But yeah, once again, um, oh, if uh, if someone wants, if anyone want to get in touch with you like, to, to learn more about the cool stuff that you're into, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, do, do you have any contacts that you can you can drop? Like any social yeah, media? Sure. Yeah, um, Basically like the creative project I'm working on, Subcultures, I will mention it in one sentence because we didn't talk yet about it. Um, so basically, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, for next time. We're working next time, next time <laughs> yeah. in person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, so we're creating a platform which allows people um, to do workshops with artists in their private homes and workspaces. Um, so yeah, if you, if you want, you can drop me a mail um, to hi at subcultures.com um so i spell it it's s-u-b-c-u-l-t-o-u-r-s.com just like subcal and then like tours um yeah or subcultures.com you can check it out i think the site right now is off because we're doing some changes also in the on the landing page um yeah or you can check us out on facebook instagram under subcultures and yeah i would love to hear from you <laughs> awesome well i'll be sure to put the links on the uh on this video once it's up and Kat, thanks again so much for coming on the Crucial Journey podcast. It's been very refreshing to get your insight in regards to everything that's going on in your wonderful world. And yeah, hopefully uh, I'll be down in uh, in Germany at, at Berlin at some point. We can uh, do a podcast in person. Cool. My pleasure. See okay. you soon. <laughs> See you soon. God bless. Thank you. Ciao. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, that was the lovely Kat. Got to... Uh, talk about the cool stuff that is going on in her world and uh, it was refreshing to get a different perspective in regards to this whole crisis this pandemic from someone that hasn't really been indoctrinated by the media too much <laughs> ladies and gentlemen freaks and geeks peace out keep it real don't drive and text this is your boy chris jewel until next time boom shakalaka What is liberty? What the? Who says you can't build? <laughs> What's it like being a, a hottie in the vegan community? Are vegan guys better? Yeah. The economics of the system don't allow multiple competing systems to survive. Engineering, technology, these arts of humanity, they are magic.